October 12th, uh, we're going to start a new series in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to, the adults and the kids are going to try to walk parallel tracks. We'll see how that goes, and uh, I'd encourage you just to be praying about that as well. I feel like, I told the guys at 9, I feel like I've said the same thing for about two months now, and I'm going to say the same thing again this morning, so I'm looking forward to getting into some new stuff, but this, these same things keep coming up. This is First Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Uh, just a little foundation for that. The last part of verse 5 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's kind of this theme I feel like we've been on for, a, it seems like, two months now. This idea that God gives grace to the humble and opposes the proud. We've said humility is dependence upon God or agreeing with God. When we agree with God, when we are dependent upon him, that's humility. Pride is disagreeing with God about anything or choosing to live independently of him. That's pride and that's humility. And we've said grace is God's unmerited favor. It's when we get stuff that we don't deserve. That's God's grace. Um, Does anybody here listen to country music who's willing to admit it? (laughs) Just a handful. So I was listening to um, The Bull last week, and Kenny Chesney has this song out, and it's called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven. The tagline, typical country, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. The uh, second verse is what caught my attention. I'm not going to sing. I'm just going (laughs) to read you the lines. You don't want me to. (laughs) Said, preacher, maybe you didn't see me throw an extra 20 in the plate. There's one for everything I did last night and one to get me through today. Here's a 10 to help you remember next time you got the good Lord's ear. Say, I'm coming, but there ain't no hurry. I'm having fun down here. So that's Kenny Chesney's theology, or at least what he puts in the songs. Um, And so I was thinking about that and thinking, what if God really was kind of this heavenly accountant? And he had the green visor on, his little pencil, and there's a ledger. And he's writing down the stuff that we do, good and bad. So... The sins that we commit go on you know, the, the debit side and the, the good things that we do go on the credit side. And Revelation says that when we die, we're all going to stand before God, before this throne, this judgment seat, and he's going to pay us back according to what we've done. So you've got God, the accountant up there, who's keeping track of everything, and you and I, we're going to die, we're going to stand before him. And let's just say that he opens up this book, and what he's done is he's attributed a dollar amount to all of the sins that we've committed. So... He's got this long, fine sheet, and lying to your parents is, you know, $500 or, you know, whatever he's got. He's got the thing, and then he totals all that up, and then he's got your credits, the things that you've done that were truly loving, loving him and loving other people. Those are your credits, and at the end of the day, he's going to kind of balance all that stuff, and if you owe him money, well, you've got to pay. And if he owes you money, well, then he's going to pay. So you're going to receive what you're going to get a reward based on what you've done. Either you're going to owe God and he's going to say, well, now's the time, write the check. Or he's going to owe you and he's going to give you rewards. I don't know how you would feel about that scenario, uh, standing, but if you feel really good about yourself and you say, yeah, I'm, I'm in good shape, I can, I'll come out on top. Or if you would say, I'm sunk already. But the thing with God being the accountant is he gets to set the value on the deeds. And he says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. So you can imagine then, it, just to put a dollar figure on it, let's just say a billion dollars. That's death. Let's, unless, well, 
that's death for most of us, unless there's a bailout that will get all of us out of that stuff. So for the rest of us, a billion dollars is, um, we're not going to get out of that. So every sin we commit, that's a billion dollars in the debit column. And, and I think it's Isaiah 64, 6, God says that our righteousness is like filthy rags. So let's say that's like a penny. Because it's not worth, our righteous acts aren't worth very much. They're a penny. So every bad thing you do costs you a billion dollars. Every good thing you do, you get a penny. Now let's just say you live for 100 years. That's 36,500 days. And let's say every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, you do something good. You do something that's genuinely loving towards other people, loving towards the Lord. Every second that, you've, that you live for 100 years. You know how many good things you do? Quick math. 3.1 billion. That's a lot of good things. The only problem is that doesn't even come close to canceling out the first time you lied or the first time you disobeyed your parents or the first time you did something selfish. Not even in the ballpark because those good things are only worth a penny and your bad things are worth a billion dollars. We're sunk. That's the situation that we're in. Kenny Chesney's 20 bucks really ain't going to help him at the end of the day. It's not paying for anything. And the extra 10 isn't helping him either. And that's the situation that we're all in. And that's why we need God's grace. And that's where his grace comes in, into this situation where we owe more than we can ever pay. God delivers mercy and grace. Mercy is you don't have to pay what you owe. So this, however many billions of dollars my debt is, he just says, you don't have to pay it. He just puts an X through it. You don't have to pay it. That's mercy. I'm not getting what I do deserve. I deserve death according to how God counts things. According to God's accounting, I deserve death because I've sinned. And he says, never mind, you don't have to do that. That's mercy. But then, it's not just mercy, that'd be wonderful. There's also grace, which is, and you get stuff that you don't deserve. The second half of Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So it's not just that I don't get death, which I deserve, I also get life, which I don't deserve. That's grace, giving me what I don't deserve. And so what Peter is saying here is God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives what we don't deserve to people who are humble, to people who depend on him, to people who agree with him. Now, most of us, when it comes to thinking about whether we're going to go to heaven, okay, yeah, I get that. I'm going to trust Jesus with my eternal future. That's not a big deal for a lot of folks to say that. We know we can't buy our way into heaven. Most of us, if we're really honest, know if there's a standard, we didn't meet it because we know we're on hearts. And we know we're really not that great of folks on the inside. We do some good, but we also do some bad, and we know it's, you know, it's a toss-up one way or the other. We get that when it comes to eternal life. Where we don't get it a lot of times is our life right now. We're more than willing to accept God's grace for forever. A lot of us don't realize that we need it right now, that we need God's grace to be engineers and lawyers and teachers and husbands and mothers and sons and brothers and neighbors and all of the different roles that we fill, we cannot do those things on our own. I have a terrible memory. I can't remember very much of anything. I distinctly remember this instance. My wife and I, we had two kids under two. We had a double stroller that was a beast to push. It was a vertical 
We're pushing it up this hill. We rented a house on Hickory Drive by Hickory Hills. And we were walking back, and we were almost directly across the street from our house. We were crossing over to go up our hill. I was pushing, sweating, all this stuff. And Misty said something to me, and, it, and uh, this was kind of what I took from that. It changed my life at that point. I realized that I could not love my wife or my kids apart from the grace of God. I was trying as hard as I could, and it wasn't working. It, was not, it wasn't coming through at all. That was a big realization for me. And I would say, neither can you. Whatever it is that you're doing, you cannot do it for long on your own. Your resources are finite because you're finite. And at some point, you're going to bump up against the edge of that. Something in your life is going to be uh, too difficult for you to handle on your own. And at that choice, that point, you have two choices. You can drown or you can trust the Lord. You can choose to be humble and depend upon him. And I would say, why don't you do it now? Why wait until the crisis comes up and you're about to go under? Choose now to live a life dependent upon the Lord. I think it's very difficult to say I'm trusting God with my forever, but I'm not trusting him for right now. At some point, living, that's a double life. And at some point, that, it just doesn't work. I actually think God won't stand for it, honestly. And I think he'll push to, for you to make a decision. And some of you know what's that, what that's like. It'll just keep pushing and pushing and pushing until you make the choice. That's my opinion. You can disagree with that. But I know it's difficult to try to hold both of those things, to say I'm, I'm being humble, I'm agreeing with God about forever. I agree. I can't get into heaven on my own. I'm choosing to disagree with him about how to live my life here on the earth. That's a pretty tough position to hold for very long. So that's what Peter's saying. He's saying God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What we don't deserve, he gives it to us if we choose to depend upon him. So then our verses kick in. Humble yourself, therefore. Why, the, why is there a therefore? Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Because God gives grace to the humble, you guys humble yourself under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. That idea is that he'll lift you up at just the right time. That The word behind that is the same word for uh, the time was right when Jesus came. It's just the right time. It's not chronological on your watch. It's the seasons of time. God will lift you up in the perfect time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You don't necessarily care about this, but that word cast is a participle, and it should maybe more accurately be translated casting. Because if the thing is, well, I want this grace because I'm not going to make it on my own, okay, humble myself. Well, how do I do that? In the Old Testament, they like shaved their beards and sackcloth and ashes and is that what we got to do? Or is there something else? And he says right here, this is how you humble yourself, by casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So that's what we do. If you want to live a life of humility, if you want to express humility, dependence upon the Lord, agreement with God, you do that by casting your anxiety on him. The idea of casting, that word shows up one other time. It's in Luke 19.35 and the picture there is people throwing their coats on this donkey so Jesus can ride the donkey. So that's what he's saying. Throw your stuff at Jesus. It's not, okay, you and I are going to hold this thing together. And No, it's you give it to him. Throw it on him because he cares for you. And that idea of anxiety, that word shows up several times. You may remember the parable of the um, soils where there's seed and it's on the path and it's on the rocky soil and the weedy soil and the good soil. The weedy soil um, 
that seed falls, seeds the gospel, and it falls on this soil that has a lot of weeds in it, and the, this plant grows up, and all these weeds grow up and choke it out. And Jesus says those weeds that choke it out, those are the, that's the deceitfulness of wealth and the worries of this life. That's the same word as anxiety. It's the worries of this life and anxiety that you read in First Peter is the same word. These aren't sinful things. It's not that we're consumed with sinful stuff. We're just consumed with stuff. It's the, the things of life that keep us kind of weighed down and burdened. So what do we do? Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You already knew the answer to that. That's what, how do I cast my cares on Jesus? It's not a coat that I can throw on a donkey. What am I supposed to do? You pray. That's how you cast your cares on Jesus. So kind of the, the deal here is you want humi- if you want God's grace, if you want access to God's grace, His unmerited favor, for Him to give you stuff that you don't deserve, and the only thing you and I deserve is death, so yeah, we want Him to give Him stuff that we don't deserve, well, the key to that is to be humble. Well, how do I be humble? I cast my cares on him. Well, how do I cast my cares on him? I pray. I do what they say in Philippians. I, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present my request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I pray. You already know that. And I don't know kind of where. I'm not going to try to guilt you into having a quiet time every day of your life. All I'm going to say is if you want access to God's grace, if you want to live your life dependent upon God and receiving His infinite resources for your life now, I'm not talking about to get you into heaven. I'm talking about to live successfully now, September 28, 2008. Then you pray. That's the connection. That's what opens up the channel for you to receive God's grace. And and honestly, the reason most of us don't pray is because we don't believe it works. We got all kinds of excuses, but we really just don't buy it. If we did, we'd do it. It's pretty simple. It's about as easy as talking. And the reason we don't do that is because, honestly, if you could rip down into our heart, it's because we don't believe it works. There might be all kinds of reasons why we don't think it works. We don't have time to talk about that this morning, but that's really the underlying factor for most of us. We don't pray because we don't think it makes a difference. If you knew... If you were guaranteed that if you prayed, you would get certain results, you would. It would be a no-brainer for most of us. We don't have time, like I said, to get into that. But I would say that's the deal. If you want these divine resources, if you want, that means you've got to be humble. Humble, you cast your anxiety on him. Cast your anxiety on him. That means you pray. I was thinking about this the other day. Andrew, I need you big, strong guy to hold this thing. Just like that. This is a soundboard. It weighs a ton. He's just really strong. So he's not going to... we got no problems with him dropping it. It's got these channels in the back. There's like 16 of them. And you get these weird cords with three little things. And you plug them in. And then you're able to... Let's flip it so they can see. Not like this. Not like this. My fault. (laughs) Banna. So we plug all these things in. And then we can do all this stuff to make this sound good. We can do, this is all volume and this is equalizing and mixing and all of these things to make it sound good. Most of us, our channels are completely full. There's 16 channels and they're they're full up of stuff. We've got 
bills to pay. I've got decisions at work. You know, we've got kids got to get here. And we've just got stuff that fills up all of these channels. And so most of us spend most of our time right here on this board trying to mix everything. What we're trying to do is make our life sound as good as we can with all of the stuff that's coming in. We don't have room for anything else. We're full up. We've got a 16-channel board, and we've got 16 things coming in. Some of you got 18 things coming in on a 16-channel board, and this is what you're doing. You're spending your day managing all of this stuff that's coming in, and you're just trying to make it sound as good as you can, and none of the stuff coming in, I'm, I'm not saying it's sinful. It's just stuff. It's, just, it's the stuff of life. It's, it's anxiety. It's the stuff, the burdens of living life in Marietta and September in 2008. And all of you can just figure out what those things are. Casting your anxiety on Jesus, it just it opens up channels. It gives you room for more input. And it's not that that stuff is then going to get filled with other junk. It just get, allows you to get input from the Lord. You can set that down. Thank you very much. Was that heavy? Of course not. So that's most of us, we're a full board. If you'll choose to cast your anxiety on Jesus, it will open up channels, and then you'll begin to receive things from God. And it's not that he's going to fill up every one and you're in the same place. It's just you're busy with God's stuff, and you used to just be busy with anxieties of life stuff. He doesn't fill up every channel. But there will be this sense in which you can receive input from him. I don't know if you ever sit back after three weeks or four weeks or six weeks and think, what in the world am I doing? What am I doing? I'm waking up and I'm doing what's next and that's it. And I'm going to go to work tomorrow and there's going to be 25 messages and all these emails and that's not counting the emergency calls that are going to come in and the sick kid and then the, you know, whatever these guys are doing with the stuff that they're trying to decide that's going to affect our future. We don't, there's just stuff that comes in. We need extra channels and the only way to create extra channels is to cast your anxiety on the Lord. You all have note cards. Um, you should, maybe you're sitting on them. Maybe they're under your chair. Um, I want you to go ahead, uh, pull those things out. Again, the stuff that weighs us down, these anxieties, aren't necessarily sinful things. It's just the stuff of living life here. And it's very personalized. Even some of you are married. The stuff on your anxiety, your burden, is different from your spouse's just because you live uh, a little bit different lives. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to just to take some time and I want you to write down. I want you to lit however many you got. Some of you got 50. You need an extra note card. We got more. Just write down everything that you've got that you would say, yeah, that's, that's my load. That's the stuff that I'm carrying. It's the stuff plugged into the back of my board that weighs me down. I'm going to pray and as I pray, I'm just going to ask the Lord to kind of reveal those things to our heart and I just want you to write that stuff down. Father, I do pray that you would speak to us, that you would um, even now bring up the things that weigh us down, the anxieties that we're all carrying. I pray that you would bring those to mind. Y'all go ahead and start writing.
I want you all to get your chairs. I want you to turn them and look over here at me. Don't kick your coffee over. If you do, it's not a big deal. You're on the front row now. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance a race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Part of this idea of casting our anxiety on, on the Lord, it's just a matter, there's an intentional turning that we have to undertake. All of this stuff is still going to be there. You're not going to walk out of here and suddenly you don't have cares and all that. Yes, unless you run away, you're going to always have life to live and there are responsibilities with that. And as long as you're in relationship with people, there's stuff that's going to happen. Relation- yeah, that stuff doesn't go away. Jesus doesn't necessarily take that stuff away from you physically so you don't have to deal with it. But it will consume you. You know that. If there's a vacuum in your life, it's going to be filled, and it's going to be filled by all that stuff. Your channels are going to get filled up really quick. And you have to make a choice to turn and to look at something else. And if you will, for some of you, you're going to have to turn about every five minutes because you're prone to carrying anxiety. And so it's going to be a constant thing for you where you're always having to make a conscious decision to turn and to look at something else. For some of you, it's not that big a deal. It's just it's certain people or it's certain times of the year or it's certain things. And for you, you've got to turn just every now and again. And that's it doesn't matter. What matters is when you begin to carry stuff that you shouldn't carry, will you intentionally turn and fix your eyes on Jesus? That stuff is still there. You're just not looking at it anymore. You're looking at him. Paul says in, I think it's 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he's, and there's kind of this weird running dialogue between Paul and the Lord. Paul has some thorn in the flesh, and nobody knows what that is, but it was irritating to him, and he asked God to take it away three times, and God says no, and he closes it with, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's where we need to begin to look. We need to begin to look to Jesus, who's this author and perfecter of our faith, whose grace is sufficient for us. Again, he doesn't necessarily take that stuff away. He may, but that's not really even the deal. What he does is he helps us live our life. And so you're not carrying things that you shouldn't carry. And it's not, again, a matter of Jesus wanting to shoulder the load with you. It's cast your cares on him. Give them all to him. It's not he carries one end and you carry the other end and he gets the heavy end and you get the light. No, he gets all of it. Uh, we're going to take communion here. If you're serving communion, if you would come up, the folks who are helping. Um, we're going to take communion today. Y'all, you guys might want to slide back a little bit, Liz, just that way a little bit. Just because people are going to walk up. No, you're good. So these guys will have two stations. Just tear off a piece of bread. Let's do bread first and then juice and dip it in the juice. I think we had somebody at the earlier service drink out of the Thing, so. <laughs> <Don't do that. laughs> 
So uh, this is what we want you to do. There's a basket down here. We all slide up a little bit. There's a basket down here at the foot of this cross. When you come up, I want you to put your note card in it. And it's, that can seem really corny. We're just going to say that that's a gesture of casting our cares on the Lord. And then I want you to take communion, again, as a gesture of saying, your grace is sufficient for me. And we're going to see this, what we're doing here, as kind of symbolic of God's resources for us for living our life. So lesson, I'm going to pray. Les and Emily are going to sing. Just sometime during this song, come up, drop your card in, take communion. Um, we'll have some guys in this back corner if you want prayer um, about anything. So y'all can just stay seated for this. It'll be a little weird if everybody stands up. So I'm going to pray, and you guys can come uh, as you will. God, this, again, can be, you know, it's just, it's stuff. It's stuff on an index card in a basket. But, Lord, I pray that uh, coupled with faith and believing that we're actually giving these things to you, that burdens will be lifted this morning. I pray for people who are heavy under a load. God, they, they are anxious about whatever it is in their life. I pray as they put the card in the basket that the load would lift. God, even if the circumstances don't change, their perspective does. And they find themselves with their eyes fixed on you, Jesus, and not fixed on all of the worries of this life. God, I pray for those who, the second part of that verse we didn't even talk about, because he cares for us, people who don't get that, who don't know that you care. Lord, I pray that this morning you would speak to hearts in a way that each of us would understand your care, that the God of the universe cares about the stuff that we wrote on an index card, that you honestly have a, you have a care about those things. You're concerned about those things. They're not trifling to you. They're not a nuisance. They're not petty. And Lord, I do pray for everyone in this room that we would live today and tomorrow and on into the week in your sufficiency. God, I pray as a people, we would be a people who are humble, who live life dependent upon you. Whatever it is that you've called us to, that we would do those things in your strength and in your resources and not on our own. So, Lord, as we take communion and as we're physically eating, I pray that you would spiritually strengthen us on the inside, that you would give us the resources to live life well. In Jesus' name.